0: It's a real honor to be with you this morning, and I uh, want to bring greetings from uh, Dr. John Healy, our district superintendent, and uh, just to let you know that uh, we have been praying for you as a church. We're very aware this is a difficult and a challenging time uh, that you are in, and uh, even as I'm here this morning, what I feel is, is a little bit of a spirit of grief. And uh, just have been praying that God's comfort would be poured out on you. It's never easy to go through some of the seasons that God sets up for us or that we're entrusted to. But we just want to bless you as a congregation this morning. I have a number of friends who live in what's called the Circle of Fire in Asia. And uh, as you know, that it's not uncommon to have lots of earthquakes there. And so recently I would wake up and occasionally have a WhatsApp message that would say, oh, my gosh, I woke up this morning and my bed was shaking. And uh, this happened kind of repeatedly. And one of the things that you do when you wake up and your bed is shaking or your walls are shaking, one of the first things that you do is you look for a place for solid ground. And I would like to suggest to you today that in our world, that is a posture that is becoming more and more real for people right around the globe. Our grandparents would turn in their grave if they knew that cannabis was just legalized this week in Canada. The moral fabric of our nation and our world is being shaken. The climate that we used to depend on, the four seasons, is now getting all mingled up. So if you live in Calgary, you can get snow any time of the year. So stay in Toronto. (laughs) Our government is shaking, our economy is shaking. In the globe, we've got massive immigration issues because people are desperately looking to leave places that they're experiencing shaking to move to a place that they're hoping will be solid ground. And you here at Rexdale have experienced your own shaking. And can I suggest to you that shakings are actually a gift to us from the living God? Because you see, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12, the scripture says, God says, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be Be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. This is actually an exciting time to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an exciting time for you to be part of Rexdale Alliance Church. God has called you to be here for such a time as this. This summer, a general assembly and you guys hosted a general assembly here. We want to thank you for that. But altar calls were given every evening for pastors and leaders to come forward. For those of you that are perhaps new to our denomination, a general assembly is a gathering of all our 450 churches, the leaders and uh, some of the lay leaders. And they gather together uh, to make decisions, but also to go deeper in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a fresh shaking that's happening in our denomination where God is shaking us out of our denominational roots And wanting to root us deeper in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father God. And every sermon, there was an altar call given, and the front was packed with pastors and leaders doing business with God. And people were sitting at the back. They maybe didn't come forward, but they were praying with their friends, and they were going deeper. And one pastor said to me, he says, I went forward every night. Just a heads up, pastors don't usually do that. They probably should do that. But there's a move of God to go deeper. This morning, we want to look at a passage of God. I would invite you to take your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We're going to read a very familiar passage. But Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. Because in this passage, through the story and the parable that Jesus tells, he actually pulls the rug out from under what I would say our church people. And he exposes some of the things that keep us from going deeper into the heart of God. You see some experts who have been involved with renewal over the years and who have listened to lots and lots of testimonies of people who have had a fresh encounter with God. One of the observations they have have made is this, that while the encounters themselves seem to really vary and there's differences in how people have experienced God, the common things that have been there has been the prerequisites of their heart before they encountered God. You know, I've often wrestled, what comes first, the new wine or the new wineskin? And more recently, I would like to believe that I believe it's the new wineskin. And the new wineskin consists of three specific traits. If you want to go deeper in God, if you want to go deeper in Jesus, then these are the three traits that you need to be moving towards in order to meet him. And the first one is humility. Humility versus arrogance, humbling myself before almighty God. The second one is hunger instead of apathy, a deep desire for more of God. When you're really hungry, you don't complain about what's put on the table in front of you. And the third one is a deep desire to honor God more than to pursue my own ambition. Let's read this passage this morning, inviting the Spirit of God to help bring it alive for us. Spirit of God, I welcome you. This is your word. These are your truths. Apart from you, we cannot understand them. Come, Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra response expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So let's just kind of understand a little bit of the context of this passage, okay? This is kind of an arrogant priest. It's kind of an expert in the law, and it's kind of like he's trying to take on his professor. You know, it would be like some of us trying to take on a Ravi Zacharias kind of You just you kind of don't do that because you'll lose. But here, this priest in his arrogance, he steps up to take on the Messiah. And Jesus, in his graciousness, you know, says to him, well, you're the expert. You tell me. And so the priest quotes this, the Shema, which every Jewish boy would have known. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. They would have been able to quote it just like some of us can quote the Lord's Prayer. It comes right out of here and has nothing to do with our heart. He would have known it like that. And then Jesus pulls the rug out from under him when he tells him this story. And what are the principles for us this morning as we look at going deeper in Jesus? One of the first steps, one of the first things we see in this passage is we need to move. How do we move from arrogance to humility? First of all, if you don't think there's any pride in you and you're arrogant, that's probably already a sign that you need to move from arrogance to humility. But the purpose of this whole story is to expose the priest's heart. You see, the priests thought they knew it all. And the danger for some of us when we've been sitting in church for many, many years, we know the book. We've memorized the book. We've heard sermons. Most likely you checked out as I started reading this story because I know that story. What else could be taught from that story? And the danger in the script that the scriptures teach us in James, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. So the danger is I can know this book. I can be a regular in church and I can still be walking in deception because I'm not walking out the truth. I remember being in Bible college a number of years ago. And every, every day we would have to go to chapel and every day they would have a different speaker. And some of those speakers were really good and some of those speakers were really not good. And I remember going one day and sitting and in, you know how you're kind of having conversations in your head with God. And I was like, oh man, I wonder if we're going to get a good speaker this morning or not. And immediately the spirit of God spoke to me. And he said, Kathy, every single person that stands up there has something to say. Whether you get fed or not has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with the condition of your heart. If we're going to go deeper in Jesus, then there's a need for us to move from arrogance into humility. But because our hearts are deceitful, we have to invite God to open our eyes to our arrogance, and it's not pretty. I remember one time at First Alliance Church, one of our senior ladies who was way more godly. I'm not even on the charts compared to where she was, but she was speaking at a women's meeting that I was director of. And she spoke and I remember going up to her afterwards and saying, wow, that was great. Even I learned something. And as it came out of my mouth, God was exposing my own arrogance. The second thing we see is what is it like to move from apathy to hunger? You know, what God reveals in this passage is the heart of this priest in this story. We need to acknowledge the true temperature of our hearts. Because what Jesus is saying in this story is how much you love me can be... Directly connected to how much love you have for your neighbor. Not to how many of the Christian rules you've kept, not to how often you read your Bible, not to how many times you go to church. All those things would have been the measuring stick of that priest. In fact, it's so interesting in this particular verse, in verse 27. When it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. As you break that down in the Greek, there's actually only one verb in that whole verse. And it goes like this. You shall love, it's the next The next slide please. You shall love the Lord, the God of you. With all the heart of you, with all the soul of you, with all the strength of you, with all the mind of you and the neighbor of you as yourself. Isn't that amazing? It's like a complete transition of if you really, really love God and you experience the love of God, then it's just going to naturally flow out of you. You are going to love yourself and then you're going to love your neighbor. We love him because he first loved us. If you're feeling a callousness towards the people around you and you're not feeling a burden for the lost, one of the first steps is to begin to examine your own heart with God, but not that you would do more to receive his love, but that you would come before him honestly with what's in your heart. You see, receiving God's love means feeling safe enough to come into his presence and let him deal with your stuff. All of us have stuff. What's it like to allow the good Samaritan to tend to your own brokenness? You see, the story of the good Samaritan exposes this reality. The passage suggests love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, this priest, not only was he walking by the neighbor, but he was also, that was the same posture, no doubt, that he was walking by his own woundedness and the parts of himself that he didn't like. See, there's kind of a hidden plot, I believe, in this story. God is exposing the heart of the priest. And you could also look at this story and say the priest, before he will ever be able to reach out and minister to the robber on the road, he needs to acknowledge that he himself has been robbed and plundered and desperately needs the Messiah to minister to him. How many of us walk right by our own brokenness and our own wounding? I think it's one of the reasons our city is so busy. We get busy into all sorts of activities so we don't have to deal with some of the pain and the stuff in our hearts. And some of us get so busy even in the church work that we're so busy serving God we're not necessarily communing with him. And the shakings that God brings into our lives reveal this to us. You know, I don't know if any of you have listened to Graham Cook. He's a, uh, a British prophet. He works in California now, I think. But uh, he's, he's quite enjoyable to listen to. And one of the things he says is, you know, you, you come to God and your prayer list is like, God, take this away from me. Take this struggle away from me. Why won't you fix this? And God says, what do you what? Those were answers to your prayers. You asked me a couple of weeks ago to help you grow in patience, help you go deeper in me. And all of a sudden I'm answering your prayers and now you're wanting me to change that? You know, God is offering and there are opportunities in front of us in these days. Pastor Cheryl has been leading some of you through a soul care study. There's a Holy Spirit encounter coming up. There's other deeper life modules. There are ways that we can be real with Jesus with some of the stuff that's going on in our heart. Because that would have been what would have been necessary for this priest. Before he would have really been able to, in authenticity, minister to the dying man. And the third step in moving deeper in Jesus is moving from selfishness to ambition. Sorry, selfish ambition to honoring God. The priest is unaware of his own ambition. He's so busy doing his duty, chasing his kingdom, that he's not even aware. You know, I have a little dog. And uh, any of you that are dog people, you know, you had to probably go out and walk him this morning before you got here. Or you should have if you're a good pet owner. And, you know, you walk your dog. And for those of you that don't know anything about dogs, you know, you think you're doing it so that they'll just relieve themselves. But they have another plan. They are going out into the kingdom of canine. And they are going out to sniff around and leave their little markings at every tree and at every fire hydrant because this is their destiny. And I watch my little dog. I take him and he pulls the leash because he's got to take another sniff over there. And he's got to leave his mark. And then he's so proud of himself as he struts his stuff down the sidewalk. And I think sometimes, is that kind of how God looks at us with our selfish ambition? We're so intent. It's got to be my way. I've got to do it this way. And I'm going to force everybody else to come into a line with my way. God is so gracious and kind to us. You know, Jesus could have just ignored this priest. He was so belligerent. But he responds with such grace in the passage. And God responds to us with such grace and kindness. How we need to ask Jesus to open our eyes. What kingdom am I investing in? Because when I'm operating out of selfish ambition, I am not investing in the kingdom of heaven. So as we begin to do a bit of internal work, it's not like we arrive and then we step into mission, but we begin to become pliable so God can use us more effectively. And then you move into a couple of steps of how do we go further in mission? Well, it's interesting in verse 33 here, you know, the scripture says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was and he saw him on the way of his journey. You know, step number one, there are broken and needy people in your immediate pathway. In fact, the interesting thing, the word neighbor means nearby. And as Jesus is telling this story, even in verse 31 where it says a priest happened to be, that's kind of a little bit of cynicism. Because it was very, very common for priests to live in Jericho and commute regularly to Jerusalem. It was an 18 kilometer commute. How many of you do an 18 kilometer commute on a regular basis This was something, a trip that these guys would make. And as Jesus was telling this story, he probably knew exactly where the bend was on the road. In fact, we don't know. The text doesn't say this, but it's quite possible. It might have even been a prophetic word that was Jesus speaking here. It's possible that priest just this last week walked by someone. There's a story told by a woman who I know who's written a book and I've actually met this woman. She was a missionary in Russia and they had a YWAM team that came over and uh, they were on the bus one day. And one of the YWAMers on this team, he saw this uh, African girl who's kind of leaning her face up against the window of the bus, had this really sad look on her face. And so he walked over and he said, are you a Christian? Not a great one-liner, but God uses everything, right? He walks over and says, are you a Christian? And she said, no. And he said, well, I feel like God is telling me that I'm supposed to give you $20. And she said, no, because she'd been taught never take money from strangers. And then he said this, another unlikely line. But he said, said, well, we're staying at uh, the home of some missionaries, so you're welcome to come with us if you'd like. She packed up her stuff and said, sure, I'll come, let's go. The backdrop of that story is this woman was from Cameroon. She was living in Russia studying medicine. And her sister a couple years earlier had died. It had broken her heart. And then her father had gotten sick. And right before he died, he had said to her, "I'm praying that God will send a missionary to you to help you." This woman had run out of money. She could no longer even have, she didn't even have food. The last resort was she'd gotten a hole in her boots and her toes had frozen in the Russian winter. So her plan on the bus was to go get some vodka and drink herself stiff and then she was going to jump out of her seventh floor window. And this man just happens to say take a ten- make it- make awareness or just st- strike up a conversation with her. You see the love the call to love your neighbor starts tomorrow morning on your commute starts tomorrow morning on your commute. And the first thing, second thing we see in this passage in verse 33, but a Samaritan as he traveled came, we read that. It says he took pity on him. Let God fill your heart with love before you reach out. One of the things God has been saying to me lately, he says, Kathy, do not share me with people you don't feel love for. It's not just some kind of duty that, oh, there's someone, they might be a non-Christian, well, I better get them. That's not evangelism. And I want to challenge you this week. You get on the subway, you get on the TTC, put down your phone. Put down your book and just look around. Say, Spirit of God, who have I walked right by that you want me to? To just pay attention to this morning, today. And if you don't go to work, maybe you just, maybe you go to the same grocery place every time, maybe the same gas station person. Ask the Lord to open your eyes and fill your heart with His love for the people that are right around you that you might be walking right past. And then the third step is carry your daily supply of oil and wine with you wherever you go. Now, I'm not saying take a flask wherever you go, okay? But this particular Good Samaritan, that was his first aid kit. Most likely he had it with him for himself. And the wine was for cleansing of the wound, and the oil was for the refreshment and the healing. And for us, the wine... Is the blood of Christ. So we keep close accounts with our Lord. That we deal with some of the stuff that's in our hearts. That we move out in mercy instead of judgment. As our world becomes less and less moral. In the body of Christ. We must become more and more merciful. Not judgmental. The oil is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. As you grow in hearing God's voice, we're launching an online uh, course that's going to be on hearing God's voice. That'll be an app on your phone, just a 21 day thing to help you grow. There's a number of opportunities to grow in hearing God's voice so that you're working in alignment with the spirit, just like in the story that I just shared with you. And be prepared, it might cost you a little something. This Samaritan businessman, it altered his plan a little bit. Cost him maybe two days of wages. Is that okay? Like that's really this is our investment in the kingdom. I love this picture from the Thai Rescue. Of these two older guys that went into a dark place to rescue this. And do you notice, I love this, that the first guy is carrying the oxygen tank for this little guy. Who in your life is God asking you to carry the oxygen tank for in these days? And then last but not leastly, what I see in this passage that's so powerful is to set godly boundaries in our caregiving. You know, if I'm honest, most of the time I don't stop and say something is because I'm afraid, well, I'm going to have to take them in and move that they're going to have to move in with me and all their problems are going to become my problems and I don't have time for that, I don't have money for that. But that's not what we see in this passage. The good Samaritan stops, he tends to just what he can tend to and then he moves on. The beauty of Jesus' instructions is you are to love your neighbor As you love yourself. God cares about you and I in the journey. Recently, I was at a prayer meeting and I'm going to close with this. We were praying for Canada and we took some time. It was people from many different denominations and we took some time to listen. God, was there anything you wanted to say to us as a country? And one of the women that was there from a different denomination, she said, I just feel like I I need to share this picture that God has given our church. And she said this picture that we've had, it's a water picture of just like the spirit of God being intrinsically in the church. But he's starting to bubble up and there's going to be pools and puddles. And those pools and puddles are going to be, going to blend together and the Spirit of God is going to be poured out so that the floodwaters are going to be beyond our control. Do we want that? Do we want that? I was recently at Radium Hot Springs this summer and I was sitting in the, the hot springs pool. That's a man-made pool, but it's supposed to come from the hot springs. And I asked the lifeguard, so where are the hot springs? He goes, they are two kilometers underground underneath here. We've had to drill down to get them. And so my challenge and my question to you this morning is, are you willing to let God drill down? Just gonna invite the worship team forward as we move into a response. What has God been saying to you this morning? How has God been working in your heart? We had an elder at First Alliance Church that used to say every single time you humble yourself before God, you will be blessed. And I'm just going to ask you, if God has been challenging you this morning and you need to do some business with him, to go deeper with him in any of these areas, I'm just going to ask you to stand just where you are right now. We're not going to wait long. I'm just going to ask you to stand and then I want to pray for you. Father, we just come. We come, Lord, so desperate for you. We don't even know how desperate we are. But Lord, you love us so much that you come with grace and mercy. Lord, you love this church. You love this church. You love each person here. And each one of you are a key player in what God wants to do in this place. So Spirit of the Living God, I just ask that you would move throughout the room and that you would touch each person that has stood especially, even those that didn't have the courage. Would you move on them in a fresh way as we sing this song again, Living Hope? We offer ourselves to you afresh this morning. I just want to encourage you as we worship, if, if you feel like you need to kneel up at the altar, you're more than welcome doesn't mean you're more spiritual or anything. It's just you're doing business between you and God.
1: Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. I just want to bless you as you go. If you want to just hold it your hands because this is from the Lord. His blessing to us. The women's study we're learning um, in 2 Corinthians. um, Paul's well, command or encouragement to the Corinthians to open wide their hearts. And Paul had opened wide his heart to the Corinthians when they had rejected him. When they called him names and said, you're not even a good preacher when you come to us, you're not even great. And still, he opened wide his heart. And Kathy taught us today that our love for God is reflected in the way we love others. And so... Lord Jesus, may you just open wide our hearts, first to God and then to others. And Paul said why he wanted them to be strong in their faith, because he wanted to go to regions beyond them. My friends, there's so many beyond um, that need the gospel as well. So may you be blessed with a wide open heart to Jesus and to others. Let us go in Christ's name. Amen.